Welcome to Growing Home, the podcast that helps you take care of the place that means the most to you, your home. I'm your host, Terry Therian, alongside your co-host, Len Giddix. Well, Len, welcome back into the Growing Home studio here. Oh, it's good to be here again, Terry. Yeah, beautiful day. So we just wrapped up our conversation with Harlan Hyde from Aspen Song Wild Bird Food with our episode, The Truth About Feeding the Birds. What was it that Harlan shared with us that, you know, as a longtime birder, surprised you? You know, I have to admit that uh, there's a couple things that really surprised me. I have to admit that I've always been suspicious of bird seed mixes. I mean, are they the concoction of, you know, what's available, what's more expensive, what's cheaper? What I learned from Harlan is that quality bird seed songbird wild bird mixes are really geared to what the birds need and also the 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 environment that we're feeding them in for instance if there's it's like a buffet the 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 mix is a buffet and birds different birds will go for different seeds depending on their health needs uh, did they need more protein? Did they need more carbohydrate? That's what the mix is all about. And uh, the, there are balance, there's a balance there that's actually calculated. Uh, it's, it's not a farce uh, with quality seed anyway, uh, like Aspen Song. Uh, and there's mer- multiple buffet sets. So not each yes, buffet right. is right for every bird. So to attract multiple birds, you know, multiple feeders with different buffets at each and right. in the in the way we feed them and, and the type of feeder he talks about exactly if you're in an apartment and, and you have a feeder of uh, on your balcony there's a feed for that uh if you have uh, want to attract a certain type of bird like a finch or something there's a there's a, a feeder and a seed for that so it's it's really a very human hobby uh that uh, has gone to the birds so to speak and, and, and you can really develop the birds that you attract by the seed and the feeders that you put out there. Yeah. And I, and I really think the coolest part is when, you know, Harlan and, and his company, Aspen Song, think about feeding the birds. It's the quality of it and the success of it all come from understanding what's nutritionally correct for the birds. Yeah. And th- that quality drives your, you know, how many birds and are coming into your yard because you have to put out there what they need to survive because their their pursuit is survival right so. and, and and healthy birds are looking for healthy whole colorful fresh seed you just can't put junk out there yeah and then on top of it he also shares with us you know as we're enjoying the birds how do we deter the squirrels hmm, maybe we better listen to the podcast and find out about that yeah we'll listen to harlan's tips about deterring the squirrels and the nutrition for wild birds. So stay tuned for our episode with Harlan Hyde. So Harlan, welcome to the Growing Home podcast. Thank you. Let's start first with Aspen Song. Can you tell us a little bit about you know the Aspen Song company? Sure, Aspen Song was developed in uh, 2008. Um, the parent company is Cooperative Feed Dealers, which is a distributor of lawn and garden and farm products and pet. Um, and we were 
selling another brand of bird food and they uh, unfortunately were heading out of business and so we looked at uh, bringing on some other bird food lines and we really had sort of three things in mind that we wanted to offer our dealers and that was a quality product uh, with a competitive price and um, having some good support for them and we thought we could do that by really creating a line that was built on the foundation of being ornithologically correct so our focus was going to be the end consumer the birds and not necessarily the consumer um, that, that live in the household yeah and i think that's a great point especially the fact that you know the parent company of aspen song is you know a lot of dealers who focus on quality and finding you know whether it's livestock feed or, or bird food you know nutritionally correct food and that's back to mackie's roots mm-hmm. of you know, my grandfather working with poultry farms and dairy farms on how do we use nutrition nutrition to have healthier animals and more productive animals. In this case, it's attracting more wild birds because you're, we're feeding them the right way. Sure, and I certainly had known Mackey's for a number of years before I, I took this position. And so, you know, when, when Aspen Song came around, I, you know, it was one of the first stores that I came to because it seemed like just such a great fit. Um, the philosophies of both companies just really seem to align with with the focus on quality. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know our customers love you know the Aspen Song products. So you know now we're at the point when you know wild bird excitement picks up again. We're heading into the winter. We've had a cold November. We have a cold December. We've already had a solid snowfall and even a dusting as we were coming in this morning. So as we come into the winter season, you know what are some birds that you know, we should be on the lookout for, um, you know, where are we in, in the seasonality of, of watching the wild birds? Well, Terry, I think um, this was the probably the best year that we could have done this podcast. Um, as you said, this time of year is usually a pretty exciting time if you're a birder. Um, the weather turns colder, the birds are willing to come to the feeders more um, and um, get some a little bit of extra calories. Um, but this year is sort of... Um, a little bit more exciting for us in that uh, every couple of years the boreal forests of Canada just don't produce the amount of uh, seeds as needed and so we get a lot of these uh, migratory birds that'll come down and um, this year it really is going to be one of those years where we have um, a lot of those birds coming down so we're going to see birds that we've normally seen in the past um, here then we're going to see blue jays specifically will be in a greater uh, numbers um, the common red pole, pine siskins, some of the evening grosbeaks, all of these birds that traditionally we don't see uh, should be here in great numbers this year. Um, for all of your um, customers that are birders that are listening to this podcast, I would invite them to take a look at a website site um, that a gentleman named Ron Pittaway, so it's P-I-T-T-A-W-A, uh, puts out. He's a naturalist up in Canada, and he puts out a, a report um, of the birds that'll be coming down uh, this way and it's really it really looks very promising this year um, a, a lot of a lot of things a lot of the crops up there sort of grow in cycles and this tends to be one of those down cycle years and so uh, we really have a good opportunity so, to see some birds that we haven't that we don't normally see great and, we'll, and uh, do you have the address to his website is it um, you know, I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but if okay. you just, if you Google... Yeah, or uh, we'll just, we'll put it in the show notes at the end. Google the Pitaway, uh, um, um Finch Report, it, it uh, pops Finch. right up. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll put a link to, uh, in the notes as well. Great. On the website, so cool. So he's looking, he has a Finch Report, so he's 
telling us what finches are coming down from the Canadian forest? Um, it's called the Finch Report. Um, it's it's much it's it's much wider than just a Finch Report. Um, specifically, um, in there we talk we. If you read the report, you'll see about the blue grosbeak and pine grosbeaks that are also going to maybe make their way down here. Um, I talked about some of the finches and the blue jays. Blue jays this year we should see in much greater numbers, um, which is always an interesting one because um, as I do seminars, I when I flip to the the, the screen page with. With the Blue Jays, I look up and half the crowd gets excited about the Blue Jay and the other half of the crowd just isn't so excited about the Blue Jay. It seems to be a pretty divisive bird. You either love it or you hate them. Um, and so, but we'll have more of them this year. Yeah, they're actually the reason why I had to take down the window feeder because I'd, I'd had it right over the sink. And then we had too many crash landings into the window. So we, we had to move the feeder off the window. Yeah, it seems the Blue Jays don't know when to stop. Yeah, no, they're, they're full force, full <laughs> <Right>. throttle. <laughs> yeah. So all of these birds, they call them, uh, they're part of uh, what we call the eruptive species of birds. And so um, that's that's really the, the group of birds that are really most exciting this year. The, the cardinals, the chickadees, and tufted titmouse, we get to see them every year. Not that they're not beautiful, but we, we sort of take them for granted because we see them every year. But the opportunity to see these eruptive species is really what's going to make this winter the most fun for birding. Awesome. And then, you know, being in southern New England, is there anything unique about where we are related to the rest of the country and, and our unique ability to observe particular birds at home so i think one of the advantages we have is uh, living close to the shore uh, we do get some um, opportunity to be in some migratory patterns and so we get to maybe see some different birds that maybe um, other parts of the, the territory that i work in of upstate new york or pennsylvania may not see um, but they have some different birds that they get to see that we don't so it's i guess it's a wash in the end but certainly um being a little close to the shore and having that opportunity to be on that migratory pattern uh, really lends itself to some really fun birding. Awesome, awesome, and especially this year with you know what what we're getting from the Finch Report, and I'm excited to check that out. So, as we you know even you know just in the Aspen line, sometimes it's confusion, and you, we have these 40 pound bags. You know, there's the Aspen Ultimate, the Premium, the Select, the Choice. You know, can you kind of help us understand of like now we're looking at these four bags like really what are we looking for in these mixes and and how do we what can we look at to figure out which one will be best for us or, or what we're investing in if we're getting one of the more premium feeds sure so as we look at the aspen line there's really there's 10 mixes or blends if you will um and five of them are general purpose mixes and the the, the design of them is to attract a wide variety of birds. As we set out to create this uh, line, we, we took a look at and we sort of put these birds into boxes, if you will, and we said there's five subsets of seed-eating birds that'll kind of come to the backyard. Those are the large-billed birds, such as cardinals, uh, the small perching birds, such as the finches, uh, the arboreal birds, like your black-capped chickadee and tufted titmouse, your woodpeckers, and then your grassland species of birds, like your dark-eyed juncos and your native sparrows. For each one of those five subsets, we created a mix um, specifically for them and the idea was to segregate out that specific subset and so if you can pair that with an appropriate feeder you'll have the best chance of attracting just that subset and maybe discouraging some of the others the other five mixes are really designed to do 
just the opposite, to attract the widest variety of birds you can. So we have one called Just Desserts, which is a shell-free mix. We have one called Ultimate Blend, which is a corn-free mix, and that's for those people that uh, prefer no corn in their mix. I believe that there's a, a lot of energy value in uh, two corn, and I believe that corn is vital in, in a mix, but we do have some people who prefer uh, no corn, so we have a corn-free mix for them. Then we have a premium blend, which is our best mix. Um, has 12 different ingredients to attract the widest variety of birds. Uh, and then our better mix is called Choice Blend. And then we also have a good mix called Select Blend. Back to just desserts, you, you called it a, a shellless mix. Otherwise, you can call it like a no-waste mix, right? It certainly is a no-waste mix. And, um, you know, it's ideal for um, people who have townhouses, condominiums, they want to feed on porches or patios or decks. If you have ever tried to pick out the shell of black oil out of that five and a quarter inch decking board, it is really a pain to do. Um, and so a shellless mix would be um, ideal. And our Just Desserts comes in our chocolate colored bag. And so it really is ideal for um, those situations, but also it's ideal for uh our gardeners and so um, we have a lot of our birders are also gardeners um, as you think about um, trying to add some height and dimension to a perennial garden maybe your largest perennial is 30 to 36 inches somewhere in there and you want to add that height and dimension you can do that with a nice shepherd's hook a nice feeder and then you go to add some seed but the problem with adding certain seeds is you'll get the waste uh, on the ground that you have to clean up in your beautiful perennial garden or stuff will germinate um, when using a product such as the just desserts um, that doesn't happen because there's no germination and no waste and so there's no cleaning and no worry worried worrying about extra weeding yeah the weeding part i like yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. good or we, we always get the massive sunflower that shoots up in of the course. summer yeah uh, at home so harlan from what what i'm getting is that not all birdseed brands are created equal i mean you 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 specified that you're after the nutrition of the birds that's your primary goal um so cheaper is not necessarily a bargain so what I'm getting from it. Yeah, so I think that it's important to realize when you're when you're at a place and ready to make a purchase on birdseed that you sort of know what you're looking for and or or know what to not look for. Um, and so one of the things that we uh, focused on is there's no soft-shelled cereal grains in any of our mixes. So if you see something with oats, groats, uh, barley, things like that. Those are gen you know red millet. Those are generally um, you know some filler seeds, and so those are those will attract some of the undesirable birds that you may not want to see, like starlings and grackles, to your uh, to your feeder. Um, the other thing that I would say is don't always judge a bird seed mix by the amount of black oil uh, in in a mix. Um, certainly, black oil is a wonderful seed. Um, but if there's a lot of millet in there or a mix of the two, millet and black oil, that can certainly be a great seed as well. Um, you're, you get Each seed provides a different nutritional um, makeup to it. So some are a little bit more carb-based, some are a little bit more protein or fat-based. No bird food company sets out and builds a balanced ration for birds such as you would get with a horse feed, cattle feed, or even a dog or cat food. Instead, uh, what we've tried to do, and I think other companies have tried to do, is to take and put a mix of seeds in there and let the birds select out 
the seed that they need for their nutritional to balance their nutrition that day. I see. What about what about feeders? Uh, you, you said the right feeder for the right seed. Um, I know with uh, uh, the thistle seed, the black niger, um, usually that's for finches, and they have this little finch feeder that's specifically made for that with a little hole so it doesn't go all over creation. Sure. Um, is, is there a better feeder for different birds, better feeder for different feeds? So... The answer to that is yes, and it's it's sort of uh, it's not complicated, but it's I guess there's sort of a longer answer to it. Um, the f- the first is when you're talking about the finch feed, um, and we're specifically talking about Niger, and I like that you did say the word Niger instead of thistle because thistle is a noxious weed, um, and so we focus on selling Niger, which comes from India, Myanmar, and Ethiopia, and we bring that in to, ironically, feed the American goldfinch. So, um, But um, those seed ports are very small and tiny, and there's three different feeders that you could use for that. There's a finch sock, um, which simply has some holes in it, is very inexpensive, um, and you can certainly uh, go ahead and feed with that and put your either finch or niger seed in there. There's also a niger mesh feeder, um, it's a wonderful one from Aspects that is a, has a quick clean aspect to it. Um, and that one um, is uh, like a very tiny hardware cloth, if you will, um, that you can go ahead and put the, the seed into um, and they just they just sort of pick out through the, the mesh. Um, and then finally, there is the traditional finch feeder that does have a couple ports and perches to it where they would actually land on it. They all sort of have their advantages and disadvantages. Uh-huh. We go over them in a little more depth when I do um, some of the seminars, and I know we'll be probably doing one again here at Mackey's uh, coming up here shortly. Um, and so stay tuned for that, I guess. Um, but there's that's for the finch. For the large-billed birds, if you think about a traditional tube feeder and you think about the relationship of the perch to the port, it's only about an inch or inch and a half. And so for a large cardinal or a large grosbeak, that's sort of difficult for them to kind of bend down and they almost have to turn their head sideways to eat at that. Um, so a post or pole mounted platform or ranch or fly through feeder tends to lend itself much better uh-huh. to, to them. Um, something like a, um, the arboreal birds like the chickadee or the tufted titmouse, um, they're also known as clingers. They generally don't perch at the feeder and eat. They'll fly to the feeder, take one nut meat or sunflower meat. They fly away into cover and will eat it there. And so a, a sort of a more clinger style feeder um, that doesn't necessarily need to have perches either will be a great way to segregate just those birds out. Um, and by clinger, you think like more like a cage looking where it can yeah. ha- grab onto multiple parts of it. And exactly, and not necessarily have to perch. Um, the wood they could pe- grab onto anything, really, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a wood post. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and then, then when you get to the woodpeckers, it you know, becomes very interesting because all of these songbirds that we're talking about have sort of three fingers forward and a thumb back, and it's really designed for perching, um, whereas with the woodpeckers, you're looking at two toes forward and one thumb back, and they're really adept at scaling. And so you're going to use a bird feeder that is, you know, again, probably no perches, uh, maybe is uh, some straight wood. Uh, wood ones are very common, or the recycled plastic um, that maybe has some saw curves in them that they can utilize to just kind of scale. Um, and eat that way and then finally our grassland species of birds they're very adept to eating on the ground and so just a straight platform feeder on the ground would be ideal for them so even i mean you even recommend you do that like if you have like a snowy winter 
just go out there and clean it off and put some seed back on it. Yeah, and it was specifically for those grassland species of birds. I like the the platform feeder. A lot of people might just say, well, hey, I'm just going to throw the seed on the ground. They're, they're very adept at eating on the ground. But, you know, I think bird seed... Um, you know, it starts to add up. It starts to get expensive if it's a hobby you do all the time. And I hate to see people waste it. So to spend a small amount of money on a platform feeder and you put some seed down, if it snows, you just sort of brush it off and put it back on top of the snow instead of having it covered with snow for the entire winter. And then it gets all kind of uh, moldy and mild, you know, yeah, not yeah. really good. So good birds like birds, the so. morning, birds like the morning dove would be a platform feeder. Birds like the, uh, they, yeah, they would be what we would classify into that grassland species of birds. So the morning dove, the uh, eastern towhee, the dark-eyed juncos, and all of our native sparrows. Awesome. And then the ranch feeders you're talking about for the cardinals and the fly-through feeders, those are more where it kind of comes down like a trough where they can kind of perch in it, and it's like a little the trough of seed that's formed for them, right? That's, that's correct. Is that it? Okay. Yep. Back to your hobby, your family uh, raising show cattle, and you guys are always looking for what's nutritionally correct to um to raise a you know a uh, an award-winning cow but when it comes to the birds is this 100 percent of the birds diet are they relying on us to provide this feed you know is there things that we should be considering to make sure that the birds are healthy so i think the um the comparison with i guess what what my hobby is is probably a, a pretty good one to illustrate the point that with with my show cattle or the show cattle that we have um we we don't really want them to eat anything that we don't know about we are trying to balance that ration in a very specific way to either add energy add fiber take fiber away take energy away maybe we're adding protein but we do all of those things for different reasons to try to give us an advantage in the show ring um, and make our animal the nicest, um, most complete animal that it can be um, and, and kind of match the genetics with good nutrition. With the birds, um, we're really, I think we, we fool ourselves sometimes into thinking that, you know, it's important for us to feed the animals uh, feed the wildlife out there because they, without us, they just, you know, they won't survive. We're really, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're really luring them in for our viewing pleasure because they're just so beautiful and we enjoy, you know, seeing them. And so we're really just trying to lure them in. Um, and because that that's the case, um, you know, we're just trying to put different seeds into a mix that they can then select. Um, but they're only going to select the, the seeds that are correct for them. A lot of people that don't like the blue jays don't like them because they make a mess at the feeder and knock a bunch of seed to the ground. Well, ironically enough, that seed that they knock to the ground is ideal for those ground-feeding birds that really don't want to fly up to your feeder anyway. They want to eat off of the ground. Um, and the birds and the seeds that they do select are seeds that are important and nutritionally for the blue jay and, and any other bird that's, that's doing that. Um, so there's a whole aspect of, of nutrition uh, that each you know seed gives you, and so um, again I think I said this before, but we don't. It's not a balanced ration, um, and the birds instinctively know what's good for them. And I think I think everybody in the every species in the animal kingdom has that ability. I think that humans have that ability too. I don't think we listen to it that well. Um, I think if we if we think about if your if your listeners here think about if they if they've ever craved a hamburger, 
Um, I would say most of them have craved a hamburger at some point. And, you know, they don't have to go and eat a hamburger. They could go home and eat an egg, fry an egg up and eat that egg, and the craving for the hamburger would stop. And it's because their body really didn't crave a hamburger. The body was craving protein. And so that is our body sort of telling us we need protein. And that egg will be a good source of that protein, and so then that goes away. So that sort of thing that happens to us sometimes happens to the birds on a regular basis. And they, they're much more in tune with that than we are, and then they will then select seeds uh, that are good for that. So if they need carbohydrates, they're gonna they're gonna go after those the white millet, the um, the red milo, the cracked corn. You know, if they're in need of more of the fats, they're gonna and proteins, they're gonna go after the nut meats and the sunflower meats. So it really depends on what they're looking for at that time. Gotcha. So now that we know like what to use and when, and what bird seeds to use and a little bit about what feeders to set them in, you know, what do you have advice and like. And when we go to actually do this, like how we should be doing this, how we should be creating that, you know, backyard viewing setup, or maybe we'll even call it an environment of, you know, altogether, like how can we attract more birds, either the migratory ones or even the ones that stay here year round? And Uh, keep them healthy. Yeah, so it's a good question. And, you know, I, I do a lot of seminars and that's often one of the questions. And I... I have some answers that I'll give you, but I I will say first that this is a hobby, and part of the hobby is to have fun with it and to try different things on your own because mixing different seeds and different feeders and putting them in different places is really a good chunk of the hobby and a good chunk of the fun of the hobby. It's not to uh, come to some seminar and ask a guy who's given a speech, um, you know, where should I put a specific... um, feeder, uh, although I have recommendations um, and I'd be happy to help everybody, I think it's important that you sort of look at your own yard and try to have some fun with figuring that out on on your own as well, because that's, again, I think that's a good chunk of the hobby. Um, With that said, if we're trying to attract our boreal birds and woodpeckers, we want it to be, you know, if we think about our yard, wherever we can, we have more trees in the yard, that's where we'd want to put those. If we're thinking about cardinals and um, some of those um, grassland species of birds, we'd be better off putting them you know, by maybe an azalea bush or a rhododendron bush. They, they like to go into those bushes as they provide cover. Um, and, you know, creating that habitat with native species of, you know, whether it be perennials or, or shrubs or whatever, trees, is really important. I, I know there was a, I think there was a time in landscaping when it was very um, cool to have some very exotic species in your yard but I think we've sort of come back to focusing on those native species. And I think a native species, you know, is something that birds are more accustomed to, the bees, the butterflies. Uh, It really helps to set up a nice habitat for the birds. And, you know, although, you know, we're sitting here talking about bird seed, um, if you want to attract birds to your backyard, the number one thing is to create the habitat, create water and then put the seed out. Uh, if you put the seed out first, you're really putting the you know the cart before the horse. Gotcha. And by water, you're talking like using just a bird bath. Yeah, bird baths work well if you have a if you happen to have a stream or a lake. That's wonderful. If you don't, a bird bath is awesome. Um, take a look at your bird bath, especially this time of year. Um, some of the bird baths are a little bit deep, and so then your bird is really getting wet. It's important for the birds to have uh, clean, fresh water this time of year for two reasons: one, obviously, to drink, but secondly, to 
to kind of bathe themselves. And so if they have to step into uh, a deep bird bath, they're going to get wet, they're going to get cold. Um, and if that's what you have, just take a, a flat rock and stick that in the center of it, and it gives them a place to land. They can bend over, um, take some of that water, they take it in their beak, and they put it on their feathers. And clean feathers are extremely important for birds uh, in this time of year. Uh, cold, uh, the, the, you know, when it's cold, they can't put on jackets like we do. And so the way they keep themselves warm is they sort of puff their feathers out. The air flows through the feathers and it gives them, um, that's their insulation. It has an R factor to it, just like insulation in your home does. Um, but if feathers are muddy or dirty and, and extremely wet, they, they can't poof them out as well as they, they need to. And so it's important for them to have that um, clean water to be able to bathe themselves so that they can stay warm and dry. If I can add, an ornamental pond is an excellent source of water because you need to have a bubbler or a heater in there to keep the ice from forming. Otherwise, the the noxious gases will build up and kill your fish and mm -hmm. frogs. So I, <laughs> that's the case at my house. I've got a, a a nice waterer for my for my birds. They love it. The koi pond. In the in the koi pond, and Perfect. the frogs can't get them in the winter. Perfect. There you go. So. You know, you know, we've got our environment set up. You know, are there any other misconceptions or things that you think are, you know, are maybe think, the common thought that we kind of get wrong? I think that there's a thought that, again, that if we feed them that the birds sort of will, you know, become dependent on it. There's been a study that was done out in the University of Wisconsin by Dr. Mar Margaret Brightingham. And in that study, um, she, she sort of tested this theory, and they did that by... Uh, figuring out, uh, first of all, with some black-capped chickadees, what the calorie requirements were in a day by they banded the birds and then kept them in an enclosed area and fed them just black oil so they knew the calorie content. And then from there, um, they sort of let them loose and saw how much feeding was done at the feeder versus out in the wild. Only 20 to 25% um, is was done in this study at the feeder and this was in winter in wisconsin so i'm thinking it was pretty cold um and i picture it being very snowy but um you know at that at that rate you're looking at 2025 i would guess in the summer that percentage drops dramatically as there's so much natural foraging when we do seminars i ask people hey did you come here with your neighbor and they usually say no and that's because i always joke that they're trying to get the leg up to keep the birds in their yard and not their neighbors um, but if we really think about it the real competitor uh, to us attracting the birds is mother nature herself um, she's providing a bounty of food that they can eat that may not be in our yard and so we're really competing with mother nature to uh, to lure them in for our viewing pleasure how important is is it to keep our feeders clean uh, from year to year it's, it's extremely important um, you know a, a, a dirty feeder can ha can you know, create bacteria or fungus or something that it, you know, could be harmful to birds. And so it's important to, um, you know, keep them clean. There's a, a whole bunch of feeders out there that are top shelf dishwasher safe. So you don't even have to do it by hand anymore. There's the Aspects Quick Clean line. Um, that's wonderful. The whole thing kind of, you know, pops right out very easily and you can uh, clean them um very quickly um, the broom has a line of squirrel busters that all break down into five six seven pieces um, for easy very easy cleaning um, and so they i think the bird feeder companies have 
have caught up to um, the thinking of how important it is and have really done a nice job of creating some cool feeders that break break down to be cleaned or are top shelf dishwasher mm-hmm. safe. Yeah, actually, so you mentioned Aspects and Brome, uh, which both have like pretty cool stories behind them. Uh, do you mind sharing those quickly? Sure. So, um, the the first one I guess would be Aspects, and um, you know they had started. Um, quite a long time ago and just had had wanted to make a better bird feeder and you know kind of came out they were the, I, I believe i'm not sure that this is true but i believe they were the first ones to come out with sort of a quick clean line um and you just simply um you know take two fingers and press in the buttons and it pops right out and it's a you know it's a it's a family-owned company um and you know i was able to tour the place a couple of years ago uh, it's made right in right in Rhode Island. Uh, most of the pieces are um, made right in New England. There's a I know the tops and bottom caps are made in South Carolina, but the rest of it is made in New England. Um, I would suggest you know you buy them from a store, um, and you'll have a much easier time. If anything happens, you can um, you know they'll they'll send you the pieces. Um, I know there's been some issues with stuff from Amazon here recently uh, with some counterfeit products. So you know you're getting the real good quality aspect stuff when you buy from a store. So I would definitely uh, purchase them from the store. Yeah, they're solid. They're like they're metal tops and bottoms, a lot yeah. of them. And yeah, and they're they're well. It's a well made. It's a great company with a well made product at a really competitive price. So it's 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 everything that that you would think you're looking for as a consumer or you should be looking for as a consumer in my opinion the brome is kind of a funnier story um it's a canadian couple um and he was a retired engineer and as she tells the story she was being the good dutiful wife one sunday morning cooking him breakfast and he kind of made the mistake that a lot of husbands make he opened up his mouth and said something he shouldn't have and what he said was my your squirrel feeders look lovely this time of year and she told him to get out to his shed and he was allowed back in the house when he developed a truly squirrel proof feeder and he sort of chimes in in the story and says and three years later i was allowed back in the house and uh they really did they created a, a squirrel proof feeder i remember my boss at the time telling me to come up for a a sales meeting and that we were going to learn about a squirrel proof feeder and i asked him if i could bring a pillow because i'd heard this story before um there's a lot out there that that say that they're squirrel proof i would suggest that maybe they're squirrel resistant um and this particular company uh uses this reverse spring technology uh they gave us each one i went home and put our premium mix in it because it was our nut you know one of our nuttiest mixes um just to kind of prove them wrong uh, and as I watched the squirrels play on it and try to get at it, I was amazed at how much seed stayed in the feeder and didn't fall to the ground as they were playing on it and how they were the squirrels were really unable to get to it. Um, I don't know how many years ago that was. I'm, I'm going to guess that it was about eight or nine years ago that that, that that story takes place where that happened, and I still have that feeder and we're still using it, and I haven't replaced a part on it yet. It's a good quality um, feeder. Yeah, all of our customers love it. I swear by it. Well, that answers my what was going to be my next question. But what about grackles and starlings? They come in at the end of the year and they are marauders. I'll tell you what, they 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 chase the rest of the birds away and uh, they come by the hundreds. Yeah, they yeah, or the thousands. Yeah, it seems like uh, when they when they come, it's it's frustrating to somebody who's buying bird seed because. 
you can almost, as they land in your yard, you can almost watch the bird seed go down in the feeder. Um, they just eat so much so fast. So there's a couple ways to detour them. Um, one is I really, I talked a little bit earlier about a tube feeder not being good for grackles and cardinals because they were sort of large-billed birds. Um, but if we if we think about uh, excuse me him and gross peaks and cardinals, um, but if we think about grackles and starlings, they're even larger than than the gross peaks and cardinals. So, um, you putting out a tube feeder uh, when when you see them come, I sort of bring in my other feeders. I put out all tube feeders. Again, that relationship from the port to the perch is not as comfortable for them to eat at. And then I'll use something like a straight sunflower. Um, safflower or a straight striped sunflower um, and I'll use those and those are kind of coarse hard-shelled seeds and it's really more difficult for them to open um, and then if you're feeding suet there's an upside down suet feeder where <clears throat> the basically it's a bottom feeding suet feeder and so uh, something like a woodpecker or some of the chickadees and tufted titmouse can easily um, access that and eat at it but the grackles and the starlings, because of their size, have much more difficult time eating at it. Um, and so what happens is they're starting to they start to realize that they're they're using more energy to eat than what they're actually getting and bringing in. Um, and so they'll they go to your neighbors. Hopefully, go to your neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the one birds we want to go to your neighbors, right? Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes we actually have like you mentioned the the kind of inverted suet feeder, mm -hmm. and we have people kind of question the legitimacy because it. It, literally it's like a roof that comes down and then the suet is accessed on the the underside of it and it's got some cage around it and, and those are actually intended and, and feasible for a bird to use oh absolutely and it was really probably built to solve you know a lot of products are built to solve a problem and the problem with with the I, I mean we have two or three traditional just your square single suet feeders around our house and they're great they're inexpensive and they work just fine for almost almost all the birds that you want to feed if you're trying to feed a like a pileated woodpecker then probably you'd want more of a tail prop um, you know suet feeder but these on these bottom feeding ones or inverted ones as you said are ideal especially in the spring when all of those grackles and starlings start to come through uh, you know their food source is is some seeds but it's also insects they're they're more omnivores than a straight um you know seed eating bird yeah and so what's happening in that late february march maybe even april depends on the season um the ground is still a little frozen and the bugs aren't haven't come up you know below the frost line yet mm -hmm. and so what we see is that there's a major part of their food source that's missing and so they they go to you know where they can um to you know to get the calories they need and so if you have a feeder uh they're willing to they're willing to come and, and scrum as much off you as they can yeah and i'm oh, sorry len no. but the uh the tail prop one is, is another goofy one where it's got that big wooden piece that hangs down from the suet feeder but that's because like when that is the woodpecker one it's on the tree and searching for insects or whatever you know their natural feeding is using their or actually perching is using their tail as as a prop mm -hmm. almost like the, a third leg to keep them up so they can you know move their head around or or, or maybe even a, it's probably even strategically designed so they can you know drive more into the wood when they're pecking yeah i as i as i said before when we talked about the you know the toes and the thumbs you know there's two toes forward two thumbs back so they're they're always very adept at scaling and that that stiff 
tail prop feathers are what sort of holds them up and that you know and so um, it's an important part of their of their makeup and how they're you know how they're designed and um, and yeah you're right I think it gives them a little bit of that you know able to drum a little bit harder because of that makeup and they can um, you know so whether it's drumming on onto into a suet cake or drumming on the side of your house um, it gives them that a little extra oomph and that's that's definitely important for the males as they're trying to court the females in the in the springtime the louder the drum uh, the better female that they can get as a mate yeah and actually from your seminars I remember you talking about they're looking for whatever they can make the it's the louder the noise you know the louder their call right yes and I uh, yeah one night I was staying at my in-laws in upstate New York and they had a kind of uh, you know a metal chimney uh, pipe the stovepipe um, and so that if you're if you compare that to any drumming you can do in your house uh, drumming on a metal stovepipe makes an awesome sound uh, unless you're the people sleeping at 5 a.m. in the morning then it's not quite as awesome but it makes a great sound and I'm sure was able he was able to attract a uh, a great female that spring because he he was he was loud <laughs> well that would be an advantage to not um drumming on my house yeah 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 the drum on your on your uh, stovepipe instead but sure. we could get a little band going here there you go <laughs> yeah and you know from that last year we had there's one in the neighborhood and everybody could hear it and neighbors could hear it, and we we're all talking about it and from my knowledge and being at the seminar not too long before I was able to find, I looked for all the dead wood and I found this one tree that had died and it was kind of three quarters of its original height and I saw the woodpecker right on the top. Yep. I was a hero in the neighborhood. Well, I, I, I try to attract woodpeckers in general, but of course I get a lot of the other birds and I am very proud to say that this year I have attracted every woodpecker to my feeders that the book says I should have except the pileated woodpecker. Now I know how to bring them in. So interestingly enough, the um, the pileated woodpecker, there's a, you know, Coosa dogwoods will in the fall will kind of create this pod that falls to the ground. It's really yeah. the this, this seed for the next year. And the pileated woodpecker really seems to enjoy that that pod. And uh -huh. so, um, you know, you have to, I guess you have to think about some of these um, birds and how their natural habitat would be. So if you're trying to attract a northern flicker and you live in a deeply wooded area that would be a little bit more difficult because they like more of that scrub brush and so if you're if you live more closely to some farmland you would have a better chance of attracting a bird like that a, a red um, headed woodpecker or a pileated woodpecker tend to live a little bit deeper into the woods and so if you kind of live on in suburbia like on wisteria lane you're not going to probably attract you know those two species um but you can see them on bird walks, and I've I've had a chance to see both of those birds and um, the um, the scarlet tanager um, down at um, Gillette Castle. There's some really mm -hmm. great birding right here locally on Gillette. Oh, Castle I've well. got them. They're ripping the trees yeah. apart in the back forty, Just but I can't get them close to my house. Yeah, plant some coosa dogwoods. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Um, Great. So any more tips on squirrel deterrent? I know that's everybody always complains about the squirrels coming squirrels. in. And, I mean, I guess the squirrel buster is a first line of defense. So squ squirrels is, is, you know, the topic of squirrels is the number one questions that are asked in all of the seminars. 
And I always sort of laugh because if you talk to anybody, they will tell us that, you know, humans are the most highly evolved species in the animal <laughs> kingdom. And yet we can go into any library and there's a whole section on how to beat squirrels. So I'm thinking they may be as evolved or as smart as we are. Um, one of the things that I suggest to people is um, most people have at least at least one at least one feeder in the yard. Most most of them have two to three. Um, and so one of those feeders is generally their feature feeder. And that's where they have, you know, maybe it's outside of where they drink their morning coffee. And, and that's usually the most expensive feeder. And so that feeder in particular, you know, feed your nicest seed in, fill it with, you know, either baffles or guards or those uh, slinky, you know, the squingy things or anything to detour the birds as much as, excuse me, detour the squirrels as much as possible. Um, and then off to the side, you know, you have to think about where these squirrels are living. They're not necessarily living in your yard. They're living in some trees or maybe you maybe you bore some, some woods. But near one of those places, I would put maybe a platform feeder with some, you know, whole corn or cracked corn or something to detour them. Um, and if you if you make it very easy for them to feed in one spot and much more difficult for them to eat in another generally speaking they'll go to the easier spot because again they're 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 sort of using they're using less calories to gain the most calories and that's sort of a biological you know principle that that all everybody in the animal kingdom does is we try to get as little waste as little calories or energy to get as much calories as we can and i truly believe that's why we have drive throughs <laughs> So we're paying off the squirrels to stay away from our we, feeders. We, that's that's definitely one option. Um, you know, there's there's the Crisco on the poles. There's the those squingies, uh, the slinky type things. All sorts of different ways um, that I've seen. But um, it's it's important to note that they can jump like five feet high and ten feet yep. horizontally, and so it's difficult to it's difficult to detract them. Now I've heard it on good authority that safflower seeds deter squirrels. Is or they they're not favored by squirrels what do you think so safflower is not favored by squirrels because of the the taste of it so it's a very bitter seed um and so they the you know they generally aren't attracted to that also you'll see sometimes they have the hot pepper cayenne pepper um and so that generally can work sometimes too um just like with people um squirrels have have capsaicin receptors and you know you may like a hotter chicken wing than i do because your capsaicin receptors are different than mine um, so that's true with the squirrels as well so sometimes um and and you may like more bitter things than i do as well so um so with the squirrels sometimes you um that'll work but if they're capsaicin receptors or or their taste for bitterness isn't all that great then they, they could still eat them uh generally speaking that's a pretty good rule of thumb to feed those two mm -hmm. uh, and and birds have a very muted um taste buds and so they they don't taste a whole lot they really are are kind of uh, foraging by with their with their eyes instead so um that's why that works so well i see very cool very cool um you know last question before we wrap up you know uh, as this has become an evolved part of your career and everything, and um, you know, what do you personally enjoy most about you know feeding the wild birds? And you know, you mentioned a whole bunch of feeders you guys have around the house. Well, 
honestly, I wish I enjoyed feeding them as much as I, I would like to, but I'm often doing seminars and podcasts, and so I feed them, and I don't get to enjoy it as much, but my son enjoys it a whole lot because <laughs> he's home more. So um, I think that's really been the the most fun part of this. Um, when I started out doing this and I started out in a store, I really didn't appreciate why people fed. And when I started to feed and I saw how my son would react to birds coming to the feeder and the enjoyment that he had, I think that's when the light bulb went off in my head. And so um, I think the, the the most important part of this to me is, is the fun and the relationship that I'm able to have with my son in doing this. Um, even above watching the birds, that's been the, the most important to me. Awesome. But you do realize that most of our public would give a major body part to do what you do right now. It's I'm pretty blessed. I have a pretty cool job. Um, you know, I have I have a friend who is over in Europe and sells medical parts. And I was chatting with him one time and I said, man, if you make a mistake, somebody dies. You know, if I make a mistake, a blue jay comes to the feeder instead of a cardinal. And, you know, he sells high-tech stuff for a living i sell fun that's what i do that's I sell right. fun for a living there's no better job so it's cool awesome well thanks so much for taking the time to come in with us today um and uh yeah if there's any more questions we have about the difference in the birdseed mixes you know with aspen song is there can you just you know do you have a website we can go to sure they can go to um, aspensong.com and visit our website there um, we're in the process of doing some updates to it, so it'll be changing here uh, as we move along. So um, if you see it today, it'll probably be different in a couple weeks. Um, we are in the middle of upgrading that. Um, you know, and then if people have questions, I, I recommend that they, you know, visit one of the three Mackey's locations. We've done a lot of seminars. We've done a lot of employee training. I think you have a well-seasoned um, staff that can answer a lot of questions. And if they can't answer it, they know how to get a hold of me, and, um, and we'll get the answer for you that you're looking for. Great. Um, definitely a passionate staff, and they love attending the seminars every year. So, And stay tuned because, you know, this winter we will be announcing the date and time. Uh, of our seminar with Harlan. You'll be joining us in the store. And it'll be a great night, especially when we get the visuals up and you know, and then everybody's sharing their different experiences of what you, you mentioned. It's a big hobby of trial and error and figuring out what's working and the weather can change everything one year. And uh, you know, it's always great to see how that changes year over year and, and sharing those experiences together in a room of people who you know, enjoy it just as much as you do is a pretty great atmosphere. Yeah, we, we, we talked about how I have a pretty cool job. Um, I, I get to sell fun for a living and, and all that. But my favorite part of the job is doing the seminars. Um, you know, the, the reaction of the crowd to, you know, telling their stories. You know, they, they, in the beginning of the seminar, people are usually a little shy. And by the end, you know, they're, they're willing to tell their stories and share their stories. And I always get to see something new um, that I learn. I, I, every seminar I do, I feel like I learn something because somebody brings something in that I didn't know about. And, um, you know, I, I I'm certainly don't pretend to be an expert. I'm somebody who has been, been selling seed for a long time, is now involved in the marketing and production of it, and is somebody who has come to love it. Um, so I think the passion's there. I, like I said, I, I don't think I'm a, one of these huge experts. I'm not an ornithologist. I'm just a person that, that enjoys enjoys the hobby. Yeah, and I mean, you've definitely been around the ag industry, you know, both on the hobby side and, and you know, for most of your career. So I think, uh, I don't know, experts a category I think we could start putting you into. 
So Ooh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming in. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. For notes from this episode, check out the blog section of our website at mackeysinc.com. That's M-A-C-K-E-Y-S-I-N-C.com. And remember, where that is in which you love, that's home. Mackey's, where the home grows. <laughs>